I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Let's hang Hey, let's hang out listeners. Welcome back to our hiatus feed drops. Today's feed drop is coming from Coming Out Pod, hosted by the wonderful Lauren Flans and Nicole Payson. Both of them have been guests on the show. We've guested on their shows as well. We absolutely love these two and we know you will as well. Coming Out Pod is just what you think it would be (laughs) every episode. They have a special guest on and they talk about their coming out story. They have some incredible guests and they span the gamut all across the LGBTQ community. This episode that they wanted to share with you, they talked to a 74-year-old woman named Jay Superbutch Tool, who lived with a homeless queer community in Washington Square Park for years, did numerous stints in the Women's House of Detention, and was at Stonewall. So this is an LGBTQ icon talking about her coming out story. So enjoy. Hey, y'all. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Coming Out with Lauren and Nicole. We are a weekly podcast where we have queer folks on from all walks of life. They tell us the tales of how they came out to friends, family, and the world at large. Because who doesn't love a coming out story? Especially during Pride Month! We're very excited that we get Pride coinciding with the release date. Like, it being June 1st is a very... I'm not good at math, but I feel like Mm. that's only one every like 76 years you know how it calendars work this is exciting yeah (laughs) it's thrilling it's thrilling that we get to release this episode on june 1st the beginning of pride month um it's like christmas for the gays is very Mm -hmm. exciting Mm -hmm. and not to mention uh the pod just like graduated right like four years 
right? We could say we graduated oh, from point. high school. We could mm-hmm. say we graduated from college. But we're this happens to also be we're taking we're our gap year across we're, Europe. Yeah, I mean, don't worry, we're not taking a gap year from the, from the pod. We'll we'll still be here. We're taking a um, mental gap year. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking it. Everybody needs a mental gap year. Um, but yes, we are also celebrating four years of the pod this month, which is just incredible. So uh, this is very exciting, and we are thrilled to kick off this month with guest Jay Tool, uh, also known as Super Butch, uh, <laughs> which is just the best nickname ever. Um, Jay, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Happy ride. Woo! So um, thrilled. We're so excited to have you here. We are. Yeah, we are so excited. excited. So to give you a little bit of background on Jay, Jay is um, well, a tour guide for uh, Jay. And uh, would you what is the name of your tour exactly again? Well, I give my own tours and I call it Jay's Queer Tour of the West Village, 1960s. Uh, <laughs> uh! God, that's I can't tell you how quickly I'm going to contact you next time I'm in New York to be like, can we do that? Because I I went to NYU and I did um like I even did a, an essay on the uh the the monument that's there for Stonewall um and like that that area and so I did like a bunch of digging into everything but like being able to 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 do that with you uh, would be just such a, a treat. Um, so that's thrilling. Jay has been celebrated also in numerous uh, ways in the community. Jay is a, a speaker. Jay, I found out about through none other than Terry Gross's Fresh Air podcast, which uh, <laughs> I mean, probably a lot of you are uh, familiar with that program because Terry Gross is like one of the foremost American interviewers. Like in I the, mean, in the slightly country. above us. Like, let's not slightly. sell like, it just too slightly. harsh. Like, she's number one, and we're like three or four. But we're, but still, we're very respectful of her work. We, yeah, she, she's like, she's like, okay, she's like a little ahead of us. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. See, so, so I was listening to um, Terry Gross's podcast, and she was interviewing an author, Hugh Ryan, who just put out a book about uh, the House of D or House of Detention in the West Village, which was a women's prison and it was estimated to have like roughly 75 percent queer inmates and it this was like i think the prison was around you jay you know this history better than me so i'm actually not gonna go into that but but in any case Jay's name came up because Jay was interviewed uh, for this book, and Hugh Ryan, the author, could not say enough good things about Jay. And I was like, I, we need to, we need to talk to this person. So we are forever talking to y'all about how important our queer history is, and we just couldn't think of somebody better to kick off this Pride Month than Jay. So thank yeah. you so much, Jay, for joining God, us. Thank you for asking me, guys. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for this. So. Jay, first of all, um, you know, we know we did this off mic, but how how do you identify for the, the folks at home? Super butch. No. <laughs> yes. No, that's good. Please, yes. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm a butch lesbian. Uh, pronouns are him, her, he, she. Uh, you can't go wrong with me. You know, uh, I'll answer. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, And so we really uh, we're going to be asking a ton of questions throughout this this um, that have to do with the House of D and Stonewall. And I mean, just a a number of things. But we really want to take it back all the way to the beginning. I, I know, you know, the briefest amount of your coming out story based on the the experience of walking into your house and then your father and I don't want to spoil anything but I would love um, yeah we just want to hear from your perspective where does it all start Uh, it starts at the beginning like everything Uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know and and before you know I came out the inklings of uh, there was something different with me you know that, Mm. that I didn't quite understand so I was like maybe in the first second grade and my best friend, I used to sleep over her house, and she had this crush on uh, this little boy, and his name was Butch. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and in my brilliant mind, I decided and said to her, why don't we practice kissing? You know? <laughs> you know old so, you know, yep. here's, you know, seven, eight-year-olds, you know, practicing kissing, you know, uh, and 
you know, we had like our two fingers up to our lips so that we wouldn't really touch, you know. Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> it was ridiculous, you know. And then, you know, but I, I liked it, you know, even like that, there was something exciting to me. And then I went to Catholic school before they threw me out. Uh, and I had a oh shit, <laughs> and I had a crush on this uh, nun, uh, Sister Caroline, <laughs> and she taught me how to box, you know. And uh, yeah, I, I just like I had this big crush on this this woman, you know. It was like wow, you know. Uh, fast forward. <laughs> fast Wait, forward. can I ask a question already? Was Absolutely. this in New York? Are you yes. born and raised in New York City? South or? Bronx, baby. South nice. Bronx. <laughs> oh yeah, real New York. Okay, very wow. cool. Yeah. Okay, so New York Catholic school taught by nuns is a very specific and <laughs> very, very experience. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, and a lot, you know, a lot of things went on. I lived with them for a while, the nuns, you know, because of things that were going on in my family unit. But uh, anyway, fast forward, you know, uh, to I guess nineteen. It was nineteen. Uh, 61, 62, you know, uh, still living in the Bronx with my family. Now, my mom had a severe mental health problem, right? And she pulled the hair of this little girl in my neighborhood. So nobody was allowed to play with me anymore, right? Uh. And uh, except for this one girl. And uh, she took me, took me home to her family unit, you know, and they lived like around the corner from me or something like that. And uh, they lived in the uh, railroad flats, right? You, railroad flats, you know, long hallway, bedrooms off the side. Yeah. So we're walking through her house and she's saying, this is my brother John, my brother Phil, my brother Jack, my brother Harry, my brother blah, blah, my sister and I stepped dead in my tracks at the door and stepped back and looked in that room. Here was a person with an Elvis Presley curl coming down the forehead, right? Dressed in boys clothes. And it was like, oh, my God, I've no, that, your sister, this is your sister. I went back to that house every fucking day. And uh. day, oh, my God, I could not stop. I could not stop uh, walking past that doorway and smiling at her. And she'd smile at me and I'd keep on going, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I think I just turned 13 or maybe just turning 13. And uh, she, she called me and she waved her fingers, uh, <laughs> called me and. And uh, went in and she said, ah, close the door, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I went and closed the door, <laughs> you know? And we were having a nice conversation, you know, and, mm. you know, small room, so I had to sit on her bed, you know? Okay. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know, the, the, the mysterious of, of looking at her, you know, as a, as a little boy, but in my head realizing that this is a girl, and so what's going on here? And I'm trying to figure things out. Before I knew it, I was in bed with her. <laughs> now, she's, old, you know, she's older than me, you know. Uh, and so she brought me out. And uh, But I knew at that moment, you know, uh, uh, yes, everything felt good and blah, 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 blah. But the best feeling was is that in my mind, I'm thinking, I want to do what she's doing. Yeah, sure. yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was her family was the was this family just like very like cool and liberal and progressive? Like and, the fact and, that they were because she didn't have to hide that she dressed if she, she was dressed not, like that at home. Yeah, she did wow. not. Yeah. She did not hide. You know, That's, the brother, the brothers, uh, some of them were you know fucks, but. But on the, on the whole, no, there was no problems. You know, her mom was oh, great. Amazing. You know, oh, that's uh, really cool. As a matter of fact, we just connected about two years ago, uh, and <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like so we're trying to get hook up and, and see each other. You know, and oh uh, so that'd be very very cool. I wait till I tell <gasps> you this other story about who I hooked up with. <laughs> but and where, where was I? I forget things. I'm 74 years old. I forget where I finished and where no, I'm so, start. <laughs> so you had the your first, you know, sexual experience in the room. Right. Yeah, but but that makes total sense to me that like that um that looking at the person and being like, I it's that that line of like, do I want 
do I want to be you or be with you? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. and you're kind of, especially like when you're first coming out and you're figuring out kind of like, I, for lack of a better way of saying this, like what kind of queer you are, you know, where you're like, <laughs> and then, and then it becomes this like, oh, you know, you start sort of looking at, 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 in this case, you know, other women and going like, okay, you're the kind of woman I want to be. You're the yeah. kind of woman I want to be with, you know, like that's kind of, a million yes. percent true. You do yes. have to like yes. figure that out which is like yes. weird and yeah. there can be overlap yeah. it can be the same thing but yeah when I think of like my very first girlfriend in college and how different the people I dated after that were it's like oh I was I I was gonna kind of become that person more than I was gonna continue to be attracted to that person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't know when it's when you're just I, starting out I, it's I, I, I knew like immediately immediately oh, this this isn't for me i want to i want to be like you i want to have a girl in the bed <laughs> you know uh so i was a, I was a quick learner <laughs> you know so oh, her, her, her best friend another butch uh we, you know i started going there every day of course and hanging out with them and you know uh and learning different things and they took me down to the village right and uh, before we got there, they took me to a store and they bought me uh, a boy's shirt, maroon. Oh. I can sit, still see it. Maroon boy's short sleeve shirt, some uh, khaki pants and some kicks. Right now, I had a haircut like uh, Peter Pan. My father would put a bowl on my head and, yeah. and you know, because my mom was always in the institution. So that's what he mm. So <laughs> uh, They took me down to ask the place uh, to the barber shop and got me a haircut and that barbershop is still there today you know it's, it's amazing oh wow uh, that is and, so cool yeah and got and got me a haircut and ended up being a flat top you know which i guess looks yep. something like a crew cut today yeah uh, and i w- went into my father's house now i was 13 you know and i and he took one look at me and said get the fuck out you know uh and i did you know it's like i, I I wanted I wanted to get out of that house anyway, you know. Uh, I went to the West Village because that's where they took me, and I knew the West Village, and I knew there was people that would dress would dress like me, you know. So that's where I went. And uh, at thirteen, at thirteen, I ended up. Jesus. I was there for for years and years and years. And some people say, "Oh, Jerry, we're so sorry," and this and that, blah blah blah. And it's like, you know. When my mom was in institutions, my father and my brother would rape me constantly. So I, oh. I think I think that being thrown out of the house then was the best fucking thing that happened to me. I mean, I was free of that. You know, I had other shit, but <laughs> I didn't have to deal with that yeah. shit. I could deal with things on my own, my own level. You know, oh, I could yeah. control my own shit. You know, so I stayed in Washington Square Park, you know, for quite a few years and fell in with the. Uh, a group of other young kids because back then Washington Square Park was queer. There's one uh, road that was just absolutely filled with homeless queer kids like me, you know. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. And it was like a community essentially, like, like everyone was it, it wasn't looking like out a, for each other. Yeah, it wasn't like a community. It was a community, you know. Uh, there was, yeah. was different families, you know. Like when I first yeah. came down there, I slept in the bushes. They used to have high bushes in Washington Square Park back then, and I slept in the bushes with the rats and the mice and everything else. And these kids came over to me and they just said, are you hungry? <laughs> and like, yeah. And then, you know, they fed me, they gave me something to drink, alcohol, of course. Uh, and I, I joined that little, that little family, right? And there was a mm. bunch of different little families throughout that one section of Washington Square Park, right? Uh, and there was every, I, I'd say maybe the ages, maybe 10, 12 years old to maybe early 20s, yeah. all of us homeless, all of us just trying to survive. You know, uh, the cops never bothered us in the park. You know, they, really? Yeah, wow, that's, never, that's interesting. The only problems we had in the park was uh, going to the bathrooms. You never went to the bathroom there by yourself. Uh, no, yeah. you raped, beat up, killed, whatever, kidnapped. You know, so yeah. no one ever went to the bathrooms by themselves. Uh, and yeah. we never went to the to the north side of the park, not the north, I guess it would be the east side of the park where the playgrounds mm-hmm. and everything, because that's mm-hmm. where children were. 
and parents. And we knew if mm-hmm. we went over that way, we'd get arrested. Right? Okay. We stayed in our own little area, you know, uh, and survived. You know, we all took care of each other. You know, if, if one little family needed something and we had it, we shared. And, and it was, we just took care of each other. You know, and queer uh, women and queer men, uh, of course, we didn't use the word queer back then. That was a very bad yeah. word. I wouldn't yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, They would come through the park and, well, for, you know, take us home, uh, take showers, eat dinner, rest, clean up. And sometimes it was, uh, you know, from the bottom of their hearts and sometimes it was for sex. And that's yeah. fine. Because there is, when I tell these stories now, I'm hoping your listeners and you two gals also, uh, there's no judgment in anything I'm saying because kids out there today are still doing the same fucking shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's no judgment on anything I'm saying, and I hope uh, your listeners understand this point. Yeah. Okay, I gotta take a break. Ask me a question. My tongue is dry. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, No, you bring up an interesting point because I know, obviously, we're going to talk about the house of detention, which was a, a, a female prison. But in terms of the park... Was there a, a mix of genders, a mix of gender presentation, a mix of how people identified uh, as opposed to like, this is the lesbian part of the park and this is the gay male part of the park. Mm. And this is the, you know, or, or was it just like a more blending of like just queer folks in general? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the park was one spot where everybody was together. And That's it, amazing. Yeah. It was every wow. spectrum on the queer umbrella. Uh, That's okay. All of us, you know, we didn't have the... The, the, the terms that we have today as trans, non-binary, then, you know, we didn't sure. have, it was, you were either gay, but mostly everybody used the word gay. Lesbian wasn't, yep. you know, uh, but everybody, uh, there was, it, the spec, our spectrum is so big, you know, there's so <laughs> many, <laughs> there's so many little arms of our, of our community that reach out, you know, and, and that park had everybody in it. Yes, yeah. Every color, every sexuality, every way you wanted to uh, identify yourself, that's who was in yeah. that park. And it was great. I mean, we, yeah. it was, we never got any, any fights or anything. You know, yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because there is not to like, not to glorify living on the street out of necessity um and having to no rent defend yourself we don't need to do that there's a whole <laughs> yeah. musical that glorifies <laughs> yeah not gonna do that um that said in you know the given the situation there i absolutely love that you refer to it as families you know versus like our group was here our group was here because yeah, the yeah, word yeah. family is just so it's so potent and we talk about chosen family all the time and like it just especially because if the the people if these kids were on the street right they were likely coming from family situations that were not good to right. begin with right and it there must have been something of a relief for everyone um on some level to be there like there must have been some sense of 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 joy and comfort in that even in dealing with the challenges of being on the street absolutely but you know there are and someone asked me do i miss it you know hmm. yeah it's a valid question I, I, i'm not i've not been out of homeless that long I got, I came out of homeless in 2000, you know, wow. I'm not that far away from not being homeless. So I still feel it, but there's a, a, a you know, besides not having to pay rent or, you know, clean your apartment, you know, things like that. I, I, if I had to say I'd miss anything, I, I miss the air, you know, hmm. playing, playing and, and having the freshness of the air. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It reminds me what you're talking about. And obviously I say reminds me, but I mean, hearing about uh, ballroom culture a little bit. Just in yes, terms of I was thinking the same thing. Different families. Yeah. Obviously a very different situation, but just the sort of queer notion of, yeah, of like little yeah. family units. Yeah. Yeah. So the park was completely safe for us, except for the bathroom, like I said. But you walk outside the park onto 8th Street, 6th Avenue, around yeah. there 
totally different, totally different guys. It's, uh, you didn't know what was going to happen, what cop, but there was always one cop that, you know, you were petrified of, uh, mm. of him Avenue. And uh, 8th Street and 6th Avenue was uh, where every, you didn't have to tell anybody, I'll meet you on 8th Street and 6th Avenue back then. If you were meeting a girl, you'd say, I'll meet you at Whalen's. Everybody in, everybody in the village knew where to meet, go to Whalen's, you know. I wish I had the photos. Uh, I'll Google image this. <laughs> it's a Whalen's drugstore. And, that's what, and, oh. it, and it was across the street from the women's house of detention. Right, because the house of detention was in the middle of the village. <laughs> was like, yeah, you know, we didn't have to go far when they arrested us. Yeah, you know? <sighs> but uh, that was a block. That was a block where you know the cops would, you know, there was no cell phones or nothing, and there was the, there was this one sergeant that hated us. I mean, absolutely hated us. You know, so if there was queer or homeless kids down on West Fourth Street and they seen this cop coming, you would hear a holler, a whistle. A yell, a bad side story. You know, you would hear something that we would, and it would get passed up up the sixth there. Yeah. And so Eighth Street, and, and we got the word that this motherfucker was on his way. You know, and we'd just get off those corners because there's there's a thing you just knew if this guy caught you, you were going in his police car, you were going to catch a beating, you were going to get raped, and then you were going to jail. Three things, automatic. You knew it. You know, so you didn't want to be one of the ones that that he caught. You know, so you you got off those corners. That was also the corner where the guys from uh, Long Island, Jersey, upstate would drive down, park their cars uh, on, on the corner of 8th Street, right there, get out, beat the living shit out of all the butchers. Cops would come, let them go, and we'd either go to jail or we'd go to, into the hospital. St. Vincent's was right up the block, you know? And people often asked, like, why do you keep on going back to that corner? You know, it's like... It's like we get out of jail, we go to that corner. We come out of the hospitals, we go back to that corner. It's our corner. You know, it's our. Beat us up all day, all night. We're coming back. You're not stopping us. You know, this is our. So, like, the only kind of safe haven was the actual park. And then just like any time you ventured out, it was like free range for everybody else pretty much pretty much you know also uh sheridan square park you know uh-huh. uh not too much happened to us over there uh except yeah night of stone world of course <laughs> yes i was about to say yeah yeah, Something yeah, 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 happened, yeah. but other than that um <laughs> was the village at that time so the park was very queer but was the village itself did it have that reputation yet you of being like you could not walk up the blocks without stopping hugging somebody kissing somebody <laughs> talking to everybody it's everybody knew everybody it's not like it is today you walk past people and you say hi and they'll just like look at you like what <laughs> I know. you know it's I like because i say hi to everybody just about you know that's like it's I'm, good <laughs> you know uh but yeah, oh, it's you're making, oh my God, I can't believe how emotional I'm getting right now. You're making, <laughs> but you're making me miss, you're making me miss the village so much. <laughs> and I know but it's so, different. So, no, the, but, so uh, even though the village was queer, it was still not safe outside of the bounds of the, like people yeah. would literally drive in from other neighborhoods absolutely. because they knew they could a beat up queer people in this one. That's absolutely. fucking insane. Absolutely. You know, it was, it was crazy. You know, it was always, you're always looking, you know, who's behind you, you know, uh, and they knew to come to those corners. You know, I don't know how, how they know, but they knew to come to those corners. So when, so, and this, this is hearkening back to something I, I heard on, on Fresh Air. So when, when you guys would get arrested, not that it sounds like they needed a reason. They just did it. Um, mm. But especially with the the women, I mean, because that was still when there were decency laws around uh, the way that women dressed, correct? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not that good on the laws and this and that, but I know I've been, sure. I, I've been arrested for not having the three articles of clothing on. You know, like, I don't even know if that's a real law, but... The cops would tell you, I'm arresting you because you don't have the three articles on. And then you get in front of the judge and you're hit with something else. 
you know. Can you explain that law for people who, for our youngsters yeah, who might not know? Three articles, I only yeah. know this because I once went to a show called Hit the Wall at the LA LGBT Center, and the way they let us in wasn't by our ticket. It was by what we were wearing. And I was wearing a vest, so they held me back. And wow. I couldn't go in first because they're like a vest is a And that's how I learned that. <laughs> but for people <laughs> who don't go to immersive theater, yeah, if you could explain the three articles of clothing law that you I can ex- yeah. I can explain, I think, two of them. Okay, great. Three articles of female clothing. And the same thing for the fellas also. They had to have three articles yeah. of male clothing on or they were going mm. to jail for man. And I think it was called masquerading. Ah, uh, uh, uh-huh. it was. Uh, so I knew, okay, a bra. Right. No, I don't wear them. Always a chest band, you know, ace bandage. Thank mm-hmm. God we got away from ace bandages. Holy shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Panties. No, don't wear them. Boxers or tidy whities. Uh, and then what the fuck is the third piece? It's like yeah, a barrette. What? And how do they know I don't have these things on? It's like that's what I was going to say. How do they? Know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just bullshit. It's it's, it's pretense for yeah. Just bullshit. To, you know. They needed to make their quota or something, yes. maybe, you know, and pick us up and bring them in there, you know. Yeah. Uh, and when you would then go to the House of D, like, how long would you be in there? And what was it like in there? Well, it depends on what I was busted for. You know? Sure. Uh, you know, I was a drug addict, heroin addict, uh, with a mafia. Uh, so with... If I got busted for drugs, if I got busted for not having the three articles on, if I got busted for panhandling or what, it was all different things. You know, you could do, you could go and, and just spend the night and get cut loose when you go to court the next morning, or you could get six months, a year, you know, it all depended. Uh, sure. And, you know, the house of D, you know, no one calls it the, the women's house of detention, you know, unless I get tourists or something, you know. But everybody that's from the village or been in there, it's the house of D. Uh, and it, it was huge, you know, uh, and scary. <laughs> it was really scary oh, when good. I first went, you know, after, after the first time it wasn't scary anymore because you know, you knew what was going to happen. Uh, but, you know, it was also a playhouse, you know, it was uh just crazy, you know. You, you're in a place with nothing but women, you know. Come on, yeah. it's, a, it's <laughs> a dating app. It was an old school it's a dating, dating app. app. <laughs> <laughs> you know, either you got uh, someone that was a lesbian, or bi, or gay for the stay. You know, sure, gay for the yeah. stay. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's plenty of sex to go around in the in prisons. You know, uh, sure. It, there's ways to to do it. Uh, I, I've been there uh, a number of times. Uh, I was there when, oh God, when they brought in uh, Andrew Davis. I was there when the weatherman blew up the, the townhouse. I was there when Janice Joplin died. I was there. And, oh God. and you see, being, being homeless and being on drugs and everything for so long, that's how I tell time where yeah, I sure. was certain years. Is, oh, sure. I was in jail, so I know that I was there that year. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just so weird how I, you know, how I have to try to figure things out because anything else is like, you know, hey, I was living in a box then. So, like, I didn't sure. know what day it was. I didn't even know that Stonewall became big until years later. You know, well, I, had no yeah. idea. I had no fucking idea. Yeah, that makes sense. We don't have social media, so you don't know what story makes it to the rest of the country, like, and what is just in your neighborhood. Like, Mm -hmm. how would you tell? Were you in the House of D when Stonewall happened, or were you? No, I was across the street from Stonewall when Stonewall happened. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my gosh! Can you talk? Can you talk about that night? Well, wasn't when it first started. Me and my friends, we were still sleeping in Washington Square Park. You know, and again, no cell phones, but word of mouth in the village was like gossip. You could tell you couldn't keep a secret for anything in the village back then. (laughs) So word got down to us in the park that something was jumping off at Stonewall, you know, and we all run up there, you know, uh, and already, you know, there was a massive amount of people. You know, the cops were pushing people down towards uh, the, the women's house of D. 
and but I could see that uh, some of them were going around the the infirmary, right? There's this very short block there, one building. So a lot of us, when I say us, I mean queers, right? So I'm saying us and them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Us was going gotcha. around this building, right? And and the rest of us was going down towards the prison, and the cops were pushing. So it ended up being us, the cops, and us. So that the cops were okay, you know, uh-huh. yeah, right, you know? uh-huh. and that's when they called the uh, the TPs, right, which is the tactical police force back then. Yeah. Uh, and my friend Martin, who was one of the 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 boys that did the the dance, we are the da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> <was> one of them. <laughs> he was one of those girls. This is also a thing that I know from the immersive theater piece about Stonewall <laughs> is that is the dance in the song. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason I know that. Saying that, that when the, the cops got there, they got you know the cop put a shotgun in his face, you know, and uh, and he was like, "Go ahead, shoot me, shoot me." <laughs> you know? But that's when all the the craziness really started going down. The garbage cans, the throwing of bottles, and the nightsticks came out. People's heads getting busted open, you know. Uh, so much, so much was going on, you know, the, I was excited. I, I mean, it was like, I felt like I was 20 feet tall. Here I was yeah. a kid screaming at the cops, throwing things at the cops instead of them beating me up, you know, yes. I'm stepping towards them. And it was like, holy shit, this is great. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just, just a wonderful feeling to be able to, to stand up for yourself, you know, uh, my feeling, you know, and uh, I'm sure that everybody else that was out there was feeling that same grip of emotion that, you know, like we're doing something, we're fighting back finally, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it was very, yeah, it was very, very rewarding, man. Uh, my friend who I told you, just told you about, he said that uh, when they brought the girls out and were putting them in the paddy wagon, I know that's not what you call that band now, but uh, one of the girls kicked back and hit the cop, and he said he could. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could actually hear their bones breaking, you know, Jesus. by them beating the shit out of them inside the paddy wagon. He could hear the bones breaking. It was like holy shit, you know. That, that, that was one night I didn't get beat up by the cops or get arrested, you know. Uh, but it was, you know, my my one takeaway of of Stonewall, you know? And I, I know that people might think that, or kids today might think that it was because we got arrested. And now this is only my opinion, guys, you know? We were arrested all the fucking time. Yeah. We were arrested all the time. Why that one night? Why, what, what happened, you know, that sparked this? And t- to me, my opinion is like, there was, homeless kids out there, right? There were straight people out there with their kids. There were junkies out there. There were the Vietnam protesters out there. There were the Black Panthers were out there, three of them. Uh, There was, everybody was out there and everybody was yelling at the cops, you know, because I think in, in all of those different communities, I think we all knew what oppression felt like. You know, yes. what, it might not have been the police, but it might have been the, the society we live in that, that holds us down, you know. Uh, and for that brief moment in time, you know, that one moment in time, all of us came together and said, fuck it, stop. You have yep. to stop. That's what I think made Stonewall. You know, it wasn't people being arrested. We were arrested all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the raids happened. It was like the breaking point. Like you're saying, it's multiple communities. And Nicole and I, I'm sure, l- l- people who listen to every episode are sick of hearing this, but you're <laughs> going to keep hearing it until things change. <laughs> but I think that uh, someone recently, uh, a-, a Twitter friend of mine, uh, mentioned the phrase, because I was, as usual, on Twitter, bitching about how we attack each other within the community and rather than... <laughs> and she, she, I'd never heard this phrase before, but she called it horizontal hostility. So and and I think that that is what the powers that be, quote unquote, want us to keep doing. It's very productive for them. And so what you're describing is a moment when multiple. Yes. So if Stonewall was successful in part because 
an intersecting number of marginalized communities had a common goal and common enemy and weren't like, but you disagree with me on this one side issue, so I'm not going to stand with you against the force that disagrees with me on every single issue. And I think that we have become... uh, a slightly too, I don't want to say too comfortable because things are still very bad. And we talk about that all the time. Like we're in our respective bubbles and in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, things are very bad. So I would never say we are comfortable, but we have achieved a degree of comfort that I think allows us to nitpick at each other and get distracted from the larger goal. Yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. So then after, I I guess after that, after Stonewall, did you see or feel a difference in how in the in the in the power structure or did it go back to mostly the same and and in in the village like did you feel yeah, like after that the queer community was able to hold their ground a little more or did it kind of just go back and then it took the what what do you what what, yeah. what was your experience you mentioned that? not knowing that stonewall was stonewall right. until yeah. like yes. way later yes yeah. yes yeah, you gotta remember you know we were homeless you know and junkies the nothing changed for us yeah <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we, we didn't notice anything uh unfortunately so i think you'd have to ask somebody that was more connected into the community if they seen sure. anything changes or anything but as for us you know we still lived in the park we were still on drugs we were still being beaten up we were still being arrested so nothing really changed for us uh unfortunately you know uh yeah that's a it's quite a question <laughs> yeah. yeah not for yeah. us about how long was was this your living situation like 13 is when it all starts i think (laughs) i entered the new york city you know queers back then you know there was no place for us to go as kids you know there was nothing there was no no place there there was sure of course uh so i stayed on the streets for maybe 25 years uh I lived, you know, I lived uh, in Washington Square Park, of course, uh, on the piers, uh, on Christopher Street piers when they were uh, tearing down the the West Side Highway, you know, with Sylvia and Marsha and, you know, uh, I lived in the, I lived under the platforms of uh, Penn Station, you know, when your train pulls in and you step on the train, those platforms, Underneath them are, oh are garbage rooms. So I, I've slept in there, uh, in boxes, uh, trains, 
you know. Uh, yeah, I was pretty out there, you know. So, so then, fast forwarding some to, uh, you said the year two thousand. That was when you were able to get off the street. Was that as a result of um, getting clean, or what was the? <laughs> What happened? <laughs> what? Hard now. Hard. What? <laughs> hard, hard yeah. You know, the 80s, crack cocaine. Oh, you didn't want to know me back oh, then, man. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I, I first entered the shelter system in 98, I believe, uh, in, in, in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, the entry point was, uh, and it was called uh, Brooklyn Women's Shelter. But we all called it bitches with stems because we used to buy our crack from the case managers oh, and wow. the security guards. Oh, it was a nightmare. It was. It was. Yeah. I I could tell you stories that you know, you know. I still dream about this shit. Uh, and you know, queers didn't go into the shelter system because we we heard the stories. Yep. You know, mm. you're gonna get beat up, which I did. I got kicked down this flight of stairs by security. I got jacked up in bathrooms. It was like, oh, it was a fucking nightmare in those places. You know, uh, so I, I went in, came back out, uh, and th- then got really, really sick. I was on 34th Street with my little crew, mm. you know, because it's a queer element everywhere in homelessness, you know? So there's like five of us, you know, all all queer. And uh, they they had to carry me, you know, because I couldn't walk anymore. I was really bad. And uh, they took me to, what, uh, 30th Street, I guess, uh, to a van, a medical van, uh, and where they give you food. And they said, you're dying. You know, you're gonna die, you're just dying. You know, I think I was 96 pounds, 94 pounds. Uh, and I, they put me in this, uh, in this shelter in Manhattan, New Providence Women's Shelter. Uh, and I sobered up there. I got off crack, got off heroin, got off everything, and looked around that place, you know, and said, oh, fuck, this shit is bad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these shelters are bad, not only for, for queers, but for everybody. You know, it was just, it was just terrible, terrible. Mm. And then this woman came in, Anya Duggan, bless her fucking heart, still my best friend today still. Uh, she seen something in me, you know? And uh, she said, I want to take you to the LGBT center. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, to hear these people that I belong with, you know? I said, I'm not going there. I said, I used to sleep in front of that place and they used to chase me. <laughs> Are you, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you used to sleep in front of the LGBT, which I imagine was called like the Gay and Lesbian Center or something at the yeah, time. But yeah. they, and, and, they would chase you away. Yes. As someone who volunteers for and loves the LA LGBT Center so much, I am shocked and appalled to hear. So was it the kind of thing where it's like, did it fall into that trap of like, uh, we're we're in a period of time where we, the queer community, are fighting for rights. So you better be the right kind of queer, or you're gonna fuck up the cause. Co- okay, okay. So a homeless uh, cool. youth doesn't. Those demographics yes. don't look, or the optics rather, don't look good. So get the hell out of here. We're trying to do not, something. I didn't look good. Uh, I didn't smell good. That fucking you know. sucks. Yeah. Okay. Probably had my bottle next to me yep, in a brown yep. bag. And so they're like, <laughs> you're gonna hold back the cause. Get Get the fuck out of sight rather than we're going to be compassionate and help you in the name that, of that's progress. My yeah. Cool. No, that was my first instinct of like why that would happen, because I think we see that happen a lot of times in in movements is not being the right kind of which, ironically, the feminism movement or the feminist movement did to lesbians. So yes, it's like they're 100%. just paying it forward, which is unfortunate. But yeah, OK. Exactly. So you didn't want to go there because of these previous experiences. Yes. Sure. And your Understandable. Friend. OK. Yeah. 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 So she, she was with the Coalition for the Homeless and she was coming okay. into the, my shelter to inspect it. And like I said, she seen something, you know, and she literally dragged me by my ear. Oh, jeez. Oh, that must have been comforting <laughs> yeah. as someone and who was taught by nuns as a youth. You must have been like, this feels familiar. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that feels familiar. <laughs> uh, and it was uh, this organization, uh, it was the 
the Queers for Economic Justice Network. Yes, I was going to ask right? about this. And, and what it was, it, it was a bunch of queers, of course, uh, working on uh, poverty, homelessness, uh, drug addiction, everything that the queer community did not want to talk yeah. about. Yep. <laughs> and they had this big forum. And I'm sitting there, and, and it was uh, Joseph DeFilippis was on it. You know, uh, Ignacio Rivera, mm -hmm. uh, Ricky Blum, Terry Bogus, uh, Amber Halaba, uh, all all of these big big, big people, uh, and you know they 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 got around to saying you know questions from the audience, right? And everybody in New York knows my saying: the microphone ended up in my hand, and I haven't fucking shut up yet. <laughs> you know. It's like I had to tell them what was going on in the shelter system, what they needed to do. And here's a, 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 a homeless person, because when you're homeless that long, you don't you think you don't have a voice anymore. Like, who the fuck wants to listen to you? You know? Uh, and that night, I just couldn't shut up. You know? So I kept on going to their meetings and this and that. And it, they broke off from all the other organizations, and, it, and they founded Queer Tracking on Justice, you know, which I'm a founding board members, like, I don't even know how this shit happened, <laughs> you know? And uh, Joseph DeFilippis, it's his, his brainchild, you know? Uh, and the, you know, Monroe, Monroe France, uh, uh, Richard Kim from The Nation, you know, these were all board members, you know? And I, and I was like sitting there with, with all of them, you know? Uh, and they'd be talking, 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 and finally, after a while, they pulled me aside, Terry Bogus and Amber Halibar and Ignacio. They said, how come you don't say anything? And it's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, you're talking up here. Yeah. I go home and with a dictionary yep. trying to see what the hell you're talking about. Because I, did, I went the first grade, six, first week of sixth grade and never went to school again. Mm. You know, so it was like, I didn't understand what, I knew they were talking about good shit. <laughs> You know, that I wanted to be involved in, but I, I had no idea of what the other things sure. were. Sure. I, I graduated college and I still barely understand economics. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just to yeah. put some perspective but, on that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> you know, but after that conversation, they brought the conversation down. You know, yeah. uh, where I could understand what was going on. And where most people can, because for the record, like Nicole saying, yeah, most people seriously. do not understand the most talk about politics, economics, criminal justice, like the way even the fact that I just said criminal justice instead of jail. Like if I said jail, yeah. that would invite way more people into the conversation. Yeah. Like we don't 100%. need to use yes. this elevated yes. language. You're absolutely right. I totally agree You're with you. Absolutely right. You know, uh, so we became a, four, a 401 uh, nonprofit, and Joseph was the first hire uh, as the, the ED, and then they hired me, oh, you know? So oh, they said, we're gonna hire somebody else, you know, and I'm in the cab with Joseph, and I said, can, can you think about hiring me and, and I'll give you a recipe, a resume? And meanwhile, I had no idea what a resume was, exactly what you had to put onto it. And he said, no, nah, no resume, you're hired. Uh, we, we, did the, we made this position for you. So I became the director of the shelter project for Queer's Economic Justice. Uh, and from, the, from day one to the day we closed our doors, that's the position I held, which is like, I think it was a turning point in my life meeting these people, you know? And, you know, that they were so caring about what was going on in shelter life and this and that. So my job was, I went into New York City shelter systems and brought in the first queer support groups ever. Oh, wow, ever. that's huge, yeah. You know, uh, my, the shelter I came out of, I held the first pride in that shelter, you know. Uh, and, you know, the, the city, uh, I don't think, they hated us, you know, uh, because, we 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 call them on shit, yeah. you know. It was like, uh, you know, I was with Dean Spade and Carrie Davis meeting with the city every month, trying to get uh, trans people to self-identify what side of the shelter systems uh, they would go into, the male or female, you know. Uh, and we got that passed, 
it was like, you know, where they could, you know, actually choose which side. Now the city wants to take that back. Uh, and around uh, uh, domestic partnerships, before gay marriage, uh, you know, if, if two females went into, uh, as she into the, the intake, they would separate them, you know. And, and how that started was I went into the intake place and these two very young lesbians came to me and we were talking and the case manager came out and I couldn't believe my ears. She said to them, for us to help you, you need to get a letter from the conductor of the train you were sleeping oh on. Oh my God. <laughs> like, what? First of all, that's, it's illegal. You <laughs> was gonna write what? that. And I brought that back to QEJ and we started a big mm -hmm. thing around uh, how the city separates same-sex couples. And we got that passed so, so that when uh, homeless uh, same-sex couples went into the shelter system, they were housed in hotels rooms together. You know, those are two, two things that it's like, I'm so proud yes. of you know, yeah, doing, you know. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking amazing, man. <laughs> my, my passion is my community. My passion is the homeless community uh, that we have. Yeah. Uh, the youth. Definitely, but people don't realize the elders. That's that what are I was going to say. System. Yes, there's so many of us. There's so many of yeah, us. Yeah, because I mean, you saying you know you start on in Washington Square Park at 13, and you're there, you know, like 20, 25 years. So you moved from being a queer youth to what for the park would be a queer elder, you know, because like right. that's just your breadth of experience at every point of life is like unreal that's just such a yeah that's so beautiful and yeah I, I can't believe i'm still alive <laughs> you you're very me? much still alive you're doing a little dance before like i mean yeah you're you're very i just much can't alive. believe i'm still here you know now i'm going to tell you a nice story oh so uh i got expedited from california back to new york in 1965 uh and, and white slavery uh Grand Theft Auto, you know, and, and pe if people want to hear those stories, you have to actually come on my yeah, tour. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a whole other episode. <laughs> wow. yeah. The yeah. California so, years, yeah. I met this girl at the Cafe Bohemia. It was a lesbian bar, speakeasy, where, where I worked for the mafia as a bouncer. Right? I think I was 17. And uh, this girl walks in, right? And it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and I asked her to dance, you know, and she danced with me, you know, and uh, we stayed together for a while. She ran away from home and lived in the park with me, <laughs> you know, and then she went home for, for some reason and her mom had her busted for being a wayward girl, which was the law back then. It's still the law today. Uh, and I got busted for something else and we lost track of each other, you know. Uh, we never broke up. We just, you know police pulled us apart. That was in 67, I think it was, that, that's happened. And then fast forward 50-something years later, uh, the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, I did an interview for Democracy Now! Right, July, they aired it July 1st, and she watches, she's watching it. She, she sends me an email. She said, are you her? Did you have monkeys? Did you live in the Bronx? And I wrote back, that's me, are you Linda? And I jumped on a plane. Oh my God, <laughs> holy crap. And 50, 56 years later, we're still together <gasps> now. July 1st will be three years. Oh my uh, God. You know, it's uh, an amazing journey. It's like, wow, <laughs> where you been? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh my I did God! Not it's not like, see I've, that had an, I've had an amazing journey, my friends. It's uh, it, yeah. That now. I'm wow! <laughs> I love Shell Conquer All. There it is. Wow! Yes, yes, wow. absolutely. You know, when she picked when she picked me up at the airport, it was like, you know, I'm in my fedora. <laughs> smoking my cigarette, you know, and she pulls up, <laughs> you know, and we looked at each other, you know, and it was like instant. It was like, where you been? Where you been? 
Oh, oh my god. god, that's the most beautiful. You I'm got crying for the second time. What a word. <laughs> Holy shit, that is, yeah. I did not see that coming. I was oh like, oh, god, they reconnected, congrats. that's amazing. But I had no, like the, ah, oh. oh. <laughs> was she the one doing dishes at the beginning of the episode in the back? Yeah. Oh my god, oh, yes. Linda! Oh my god! <laughs> she's taking a nap now. She's tired of me listening to my shit. She's like, are you telling our epic love story again? Ugh. Yes, that's it. <laughs> our decades yes, so long romantic. love story. Oh my god. Oh my oh god. Oh my god, that that's is the, one of the beautiful. most incredible I, things I've ever I, heard. I have eight albums of things, texts that I printed out. Oh. T- took photos of the texts that we text back and forth before we actually met. I have eight albums of all of these photos, of all of a conversation, a whole conversation of months, oh. you know, of every word we spoke and everything is like. <laughs> oh my God, first that of all, like a that, book. Is, that is a book, please publish. Yeah. Yeah. Please <laughs> publish it. Secondly, I really need to do that for some very meaningful conversations in my life. Thank you for yeah, that inspiration. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Oh, my. Okay. I literally don't know how else we end the podcast except on that note. Although I, I feel well, like I, I could talk to you forever. But I could Lauren, too. Okay. I just, I want to give you, before we do wrap up, um, I want to give you the opportunity just if there's anything that that you want to, that you want to say to the audience yeah. that we didn't cover like for pride yeah. or, or or to to the youth quote unquote but just like anything <laughs> that you want to that you want to say that you want to impart that maybe we didn't touch on yeah, yeah i guess you know i never thought of myself of you know having great wisdom or things like that but i do know that we ain't we can't go anywhere if we don't hold tight together, you know? The, in, the infighting with all of our different communities has to stop, you know? It's like, I was gay-bashed and prejudiced against me my whole fucking life. How dare I do it to somebody else in my community, you know? And that's what some factions are doing, you know? Uh, towards trans people, towards people of color, towards whatever. It's, it's we, we ain't gonna get no fucking where We're gonna just keep on spinning our wheels, man. It's like, go back to, to, to the story I said about Stonewall. We all came together and made a fucking change that night. You know, think about those things. You know, to the young ones, you know, learn your history. You know, I'm standing on, I stood on shoulders, you know, and kids tell me they're standing on my shoulders. And now I'm saying, get off my fucking shoulders, you're heavy. Go out and do your own work, man. Work for this community, you know? It's, I'm gonna keep on going, but man, you, you got... Yeah, you you've got, earned a break at yes. this point. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do it too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And about my tours, uh, if you wanna hear those stories about uh, you know, in length about white slave, how I got arrested for white slavery, about stealing cabs and going to Texas and armed robberies and jail and <laughs> the mafia, oh. you know, in more detail. You know, here's my number. And you don't have to blank this out because everybody in fucking New York and in, in Europe has this number. 917-939-2511. Kids, you want to talk? Give me a shout. You know, uh, you want to come on my tour, text me, give me a shout. You know, I'm around, uh, but I don't know how much longer I'll be around. So catch me while you can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that my God. A, I cannot thank you enough for putting that out there. Oh, yes. God. I ho- And I hope people take you up on that. You are, besides just being a goddamn delight of a person, you are this this unbelievable resource uh, for the community, like, yes. the, thank you for saying everything that you said because you have uh, uh, said a, a lot of the same words that Nicole and I say, but we just don't we don't have the same weight behind it. You know, like yeah. when we say know your history, it is nowhere near as relevant as someone who has lived through the actual yes. history saying it. So thank you for validating. <laughs> thank you for validating what we're constantly saying on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and to all my friends, June thirtieth. New York Liberty is going to honor me at uh, Barclays Center. 
7 p.m. game. Uh, I'll be at halftime. If you can come, buy a ticket, and I'll say hello to you. I will. I will. I love my community. Oh my God. I'm here for you. Oh, my God. I'm going to be in New York three days after that. That drives me insane. <laughs> Give me a call. Yes. No, you got to do the tour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just wait. You'll get a text. <laughs> Oh, so great. Cool. So cool. Awesome. That's great, yes. guys. Oh, my gosh. Jay. And, and congratulations on, what is it, four years four now? Years. Yeah, congratulations. Keep it up. Keep our stories yes, going. Thank you. Keep our history going. If you need somebody to talk to, hit me up. Yes. I know a lot of people. Yes. Uh, oh, my gosh. Thank yes. You. And thank do you. you want to yeah. give any info for how, if, if, I don't know if you're online at all, but yeah, a lot of our listeners are on Instagram or Twitter, or I know you have a website. Yeah, Anything social you, media. You wanna, the number is obviously well, the best way to reach I, you. The, the, the kids get put me on the on Instagram and whatever else there is. I don't know how to use it. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I do use Facebook. Okay. You know, and the and the and the best way is you know my cell number. Okay. You know, great, uh, fantastic. If you call me, leave a message. I'm not going to answer because you might be a bill collector. <laughs> so just leave a message and I'll call you back. Relatable. Beautiful. <laughs> Relatable. Beautiful. Um, and uh, as always, I am at Nicole Payson on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Lauren Flans on Twitter, Lauren underscore Flans on Instagram. We are at Coming Out Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Our hashtags are hashtag Coming Out Pod, hashtag Found Ricky. Hey, right now I'm going to read a whole bunch of names. Jay, you're going to love this. I'm shouting out our <laughs> patrons. Thank you so much to Mix Michelle Forbes, Kristen Erickson, Simone, Jim W., Jack, Kim, Adri, Tanya, Mandy, Tia, Sarah Wilson, Pooh, We Bleed Philly, Zet, Sammy, Michelle, Kaz, Carmel, Kieran Smiley, Aaron Mitchell, Vanessa Hunt, BeyondClexa.com, and our newest patron, Diego Hernandez. Diego, thank you so much for yeah, your you're email. Amazing. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thank you Agreed. all. Thank you. If you would like to join that list uh, or check out any of our tiers of giving, starting at $1 a month, you can go to patreon.com slash coming out pod uh we are we're doing lauren's doing like a huge outtakes drop today too so if you get takes dump if you get on (laughs) patreon i think it's for our three dollar it's our three dollar right or yeah it's our our three dollar tier per month um you can hear a ton of outtakes from our episodes Every episode has outtakes. Um, Coming and up some... imminently. It might be tomorrow, but it'll okay. be very soon. I need Regardless. to cover my ass, Nicole. <laughs> In any case, you get to hear a bunch of outtakes. It's super fun. Um, and for free, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, give us a five-star rating and a nice review, especially during Pride Month. It helps people find the podcast um, and find these stories. And uh, obviously, and, they matter. So, And this episode specifically share that this is a resource yes. that we yes. rarely have access to someone who has been there and it is you are just so oh my god we're <laughs> yeah. so grateful to you not just for the wisdom but for the fact that you're so entertaining like this does it's not yes. it's not homework it's like it's <laughs> stories and it's you're just uh, such a goddamn delight and thank yes. you for swearing as much as we do it's very <laughs> yes it makes me feel at home <laughs> all right y'all We will talk to you next week. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride. Happy Pride.